God's Little Brown Church Sermon Series featuring Pastor Andrew Chrysler. January 1st, last Monday, was the start of our 19th year pastoring this church. The night before my very first day as the pastor, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was standing right down here. And as I was talking with somebody, people started filling in. And before too long, this section was full. The, the whole front down here was full. Those that have seen the, the picture of the church on the church's Facebook page, because I'm also talking for the, for the radio, or for the, uh, the message, the, the, the picture, you've seen the, how big the church is. The church is 30 by 50. Uh, we have seating, or we can fit 100 people in this church if we break out 40 chairs. Because Deb and I got married in this church, and we had 100 guests, so I know we can fit 100 people. That's how I know. But it's a small church. In fact, the name God's Little Brown Church, early on people were saying, you've cursed the church because you've, you've given it a name like that. It's always going to be little. Well, it's a small building. We don't own enough land to make it a much bigger building. But this is where God has us. But I was having this dream, and you know the, section, the area right here in front of the church got full. And I continued to talk with the people that are there. And soon I noticed that this was one entrance into a big, you know, uh, a big, like a foyer area. And over there was another one the same way, also full. And behind me was a whole big uh, auditorium, all full. That was the dream I had the night before my very first sermon as the pastor of this church. I remember the very first sermon I preached as a pastor of this church. It was called, What Will This Man Do? And it's taken from the scripture where Jesus tells Peter that... Right now he goes where he wants, but later on people will take him where he doesn't what doesn't want to go. And he says he sees John and he says, "Well, what will this man do?" And Jesus says, "What does it matter to you if I will that he live until I return? You follow me. You feed my sheep." And the message was for each of us, whatever God has called us to do, that's what we need to do. Um, when Pastor Howard was getting ready to retire and he came to Debbie and I and he said, you either take over the church or we're closing the doors. At the time, there were five people in the church. Debbie and I, Howard and Joan, and one other person. Five people in the church. The congregation had been up to 50. And for the third time in the church's life, the church's history, Congregation had been up to 50 and people got offended and people walked away and there was turmoil and there was a split tearing into our hearts. But it was what God told us to do. In fact, he said, you either take over the church or we're closing the door. That day, Debbie and I were riding around upstate New York listening to the AM Christian station, WCHP. It's out of Champlain, 760 AM. Again, for those listening on, on the... Uh, on the message. And I hear a minister say, you know what God called you to do. Stop goofing off and do it. That's good word. That just has been stirring in me this week. The message is, get 
busy. What has God called you to do? And are you doing what God has called you to do? And if you're not, get busy. John 9, beginning with verse 1. And again, I forgot to write down the... 722. Page 722 in the Pew Bibles, if if you're wanting to read along. Thank you, Carol. John 9, beginning with verse 1, says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he, should be, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I'm here, there's a need, this is what I've been called to do. Scripture tells us, as Christ was, so are we in the world. We are to be, you know, the word Christian means little Christ. Being like Jesus. Our goal is to be like the Master. Jesus seeing a need... You know, besides all of the other parts, like, well, who sinned? How did this happen? He says, no, I'm here to do the works of him who sent me. Our our eyes open to see the needs of the people around us. Do we pray and ask the Lord to give us his eyes, to give us his wisdom, to give us his understanding so that we know how to interact with the people around us? Do we seek to do what God wants us to do? Or do we just go through life with our natural, normal eyes? Remember when God sent Samuel to Jesse's house to anoint a king from among Jesse's sons, and the very first son came up and stood before him, Samuel said, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. And God said, you see as a man sees, but I look on the heart. This is not him. I have rejected him. Do we? Are we content looking at people and looking at situations through natural eyes that have been colored by our history up until now, the things that we've gone through, or do we pray and ask the Lord to show us and to teach us that we can see things His way? There's a song that talks about, give us your eyes. Give us your eyes to see the people. Give us your eyes for just one moment. Give us your eyes so I can see all the hurt that's around us. Do we, do we seek the face of God? Do we ask the Lord to teach us and to show us? Or are we content to do things in the natural? We have called to be like Jesus. And he said in verse 4, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. He says we have a time period that we're able to actually do it. And then he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus takes that, uh, um, conflates, hooks together the doing the works of him who sent me with being the light of the world. But let's take a look in Matthew 5, beginning with verse 13 in the Beatitudes. 651. Jesus, giving the Sermon of the Mount... Starting with verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth. 
But if salt loses its flavor, how will it be seasoned? It is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they hide a light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven as we take a look at that verse and we or those verses and we add those together with what it said in john jesus said i must do the works of him who sent me while it is day the night's coming when no one can work as long as i'm in the world i am the light of the world and then go to matthew 5 where jesus says you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid and people do not light a lamp and put it under a, a basket but put it on a lampstand to give light to the whole to the whole house and he goes on to say, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That is a commission from God to us to work the works of him who sent us. And do it in such a way that it brings glory to God. Not to be content with hiding our light under a bushel. Not to be content with keeping it to ourselves. But what are we doing to give glory to God in our lives? What are we doing to make a difference and an impact wherever we are? Scripture tells us we are bought with a price. We are not our own. We are called to be uh, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, to show forth the praise of God. Are we doing that? Are we looking for ways to do that? And if we're not, me too, if we're not, then we've been disobedient to God. Lord, forgive us and open our eyes to the opportunities you give us. If we believe that God is the one who directs our steps, that God is the one who knows everything that's, that we face, everything that's coming up against us, everything we encounter, if we, if we believe that, that means we need to learn to trust God and know that God has a plan and purpose. If God is the one who directs my steps, that means every person I encounter... God knows about. And if I know that it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, I look, should be looking for opportunities to show God's love. I should be looking for opportunities to share the grace of God. I should be looking for opportunities to say what great things the Lord has done for me. We read about the, um, uh, the madman of Gadara or, you know, Legion. We read about that, uh, Actually, from Mark, uh, back Wednesday night, or honest, the days run together. It might have been Wednesday night the week before, but we read about it recently. And Jesus said, you know, after he had uh, cast out the demons, after, after they found the man fully clothed and in his right mind, and Jesus and the disciples went to get back in a boat, and he wanted to go with them. But Jesus said, no, go tell what great things the Lord has done for you. My question is, has God done great things in your life? I know the answer. I know he has. But are we willing to tell people what great things the Lord has done? Are we willing to share how God has blessed us, how God has, has saved us, how God has changed our lives, how God has directed our steps, how God has shown himself mighty, how God has answered prayers? Those that have 
been here for a while. I've heard this before. Back, uh, it's been a few years ago now. What, eight years ago, I think it was. Our anniversary is in November. Deb and I always take the week of our anniversary for a vacation. It was our 15th wedding anniversary, so I know it was eight years ago. It's easy to keep tabs of things that way. It was our 15th wedding anniversary. We had gone to Branson, Missouri. First time ever being there. Um, but on our way back, we needed to know what the weather was around the Great Lakes. Because that's one place I do not want to get caught in a snowstorm. I have a, a dear friend, old Navy buddy, who lives in North Tonawanda, New York, right outside of Buffalo. And I remember one winter, shortly after I moved up to Vermont, coming up on 26 years ago, where on a Monday, Buffalo got eight feet of snow. On Thursday the same week, they got six feet of snow. And I was pretty sure I never would have made it past Wednesday. But I know they, they get horrible snowstorms over in that part of the world. So we didn't want to be anywhere near any of that if the weather was bad. And Deb and I are praying, Lord, what's going on up there? Lord, we need to know. We're checking the internet. I can't find anything about a storm. We're checking the radio. I can't hear any weather forecast for that area. Looking, trying to find these things out and just don't have any answers. But we're praying, Lord, we need to know. And we're coming through Ohio, almost to the Pennsylvania border. And we stop off the highway at a gas station. The intersection we got off, the, the exit off the highway had three gas stations on the four cloverleaf. As we pull up to the stop sign, getting off the highway, a car passes us with Vermont plates. First Vermont plates we've seen in 12 days. The whole time we've been gone. First Vermont plates. And they're going right where we're going. And as we pull into the gas station there by the pump, I toot the horn, I, I wave to them and I point back so that they can see we have Vermont plates. And I go over to talk to them. And as I go over to talk to them, they say, don't go anywhere near the Great Lakes. There's a horrible storm up there. They were on their way to see their son in Cincinnati. He'd been living there for four years. They're from Hinesburg, down past Burlington, about an hour and a half from here. And the verse came to mind. Before you call, I will answer. And I got to thinking, how far in advance has God been answering this prayer? Again, those that have been here for a while have heard this, but think about this. How far in advance has God been answering the prayer? We needed to know what the weather was by the Great Lakes. And we meet these people, I don't know, 50, we're maybe 15 minutes from the Pennsylvania line. We're almost to the point where we have to choose if we're going east or if we're going north. And we meet these, this couple from Hinesburg, and we're 10 hours away from Hinesburg, by the way, at that point. So they are 10 hours from home on their way to Cincinnati to see a son that has been living in Cincinnati for four years. Son's about 40 years old. How far in advance did God answer that prayer to have them right there, right then, so that as we hit the stop sign, they drove past? How far in advance has God... Do we tell what great things the Lord has done for us? Do we share that God knows what you're facing? God knows what's in front of you. God knows everything. And He loves you. And He's at work. And he, he wants to answer your prayer. He wants to work in your lives. He wants to show Himself mighty on your behalf. 
Do we declare that? Do we show that to the people around us? The we sang a song just a few minutes ago. It said, where you go, I'll go. Where you, how you move, I'll move. Who you love, I love. I will follow. Do we follow the Lord by seeking to love who He loves, to seeking to, to care about the things God cares about? Scripture says, it is not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do we tell people about the love of God? Do we make an impact in the community? Do we make an impact in the people around us? Do we show by our actions that we are bought with a price? That we belong to the Most High God who loves them and wants them to have an impact in their lives. In Philippians 2, beginning with verse 12. Page 790. Philippians 2, verse 12 says, well, 790. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Stop right there for just a moment. God's the one working in us. God is the one who makes us able. God is the one who equips us to do what he's called us to do. Remember what we heard on the radio way back when, before we agreed to take over this church. You know what God called you to do. Stop goofing off and do it. The message title is Get Busy. Get about doing the master's business. When Jesus was 12 years old, um, Mary and Joseph had gone to uh, Jerusalem, and, and it was the temple. It was the first time Jesus was actually in the temple. And they took him there, and as they left, they thought he was somewhere in the crowd until they'd been traveling a day. And after traveling a day, they realized Jesus wasn't with them. So they turn around, and they go back to Jerusalem, and they're looking for him. And three days later, they find him in the temple answering and asking questions, reasoning with, with the, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, with the religious leaders, with the elders, just sharing the word of God with them. And they said, where have you been? He said, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? We are called to be like Jesus. God's Holy Spirit working in us will equip us and teach us and guide us to do what it, to do His will. Are we willing to submit to the, to the will of God? Lord, teach me. Lord, use me. Lord, work in me. Not for my benefit, not for, for uh, anything having to do with me, but that God be glorified. Just as it said back in Matthew, that others might see our good work and glorify our Father in heaven. Except for Jesus, there is absolutely no good in me. I know who I am. I know what God has brought me from and brought me through. I know the wickedness of my own heart. We get a couple of years ago. A couple of. So, as we say in my family, I come by it honest. Uh, 
things I learned growing up tend to stick with me. And my father was real bad at about saying something was the other day. So you have today, you have yesterday, you have the day before, and then you have the other day. And the other day can be 40 years ago, but I remember it, I just don't remember when it was. Well, sometimes since I've been the pastor of this church, so sometime in the last 19 years, I had a church service one Sunday morning. It was um, summertime, and we had some visitors here. And we were talking about how we need to submit our thoughts and, and, and seek the mind of Christ and just, you know, ask that God work in us. And, and I said, y'all need to pray for your pastor. Because I was driving down the road yesterday, the Saturday before this Sunday service, and there was a clump of bicyclists taking up the whole lane. And I said, as I drove by them, I had the urge to nudge them into the cornfield. I said, I did not do it, but I had that thought. And if that thought is coming up, there means there's still wickedness in my heart. I need God to change me. Y'all need to pray for me. And then afterwards, as I'm talking with the visitors from Massachusetts who are in Vermont on a bicycle tour, they weren't thrilled that I had those thoughts. But God works in us to change us. Continuing on, verse 14. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shines as lights in the world. God knows the generation we're in. As Paul talked about it being a wicked and perverse generation, I don't know that... Our generation is any better? I think we're in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. Different than what Paul faced? Absolutely. But we see wickedness in the world around us. God said, before the flood, says in Genesis, before the flood, that God looked down and saw that the hearts of men was only to do evil continually. That's the unregenerated regenerated heart that's the heart that natural flesh seeks its own way and really doesn't care what anybody else is going through that's how I was I had my agenda I had my plan my purpose and if anybody got in my way well sorry for you but this is important to me and if you're an obstacle you're an obstacle Maybe not everybody was like that, but that was the wickedness in my heart. I was mean. I was vindictive. I was, I was not a nice person. But God had a plan that involved me being right here. And in order to get me here, He took me a very convoluted way. But I can tell you about the grace and love and mercy of God that no one is so far gone that God is not able to redeem their life. No one is so far gone that God is not able to touch them. Many choose not to, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't love them and He's not, His arms aren't outstretched. It's not His will that any should perish. What are we doing to being lights in the midst of this wicked and perverse generation? Because there's people all around us that need the Lord. Um, back when I was in Atlanta years ago, I had a friend who was a comedian. 
And then one day he just stopped telling jokes. He, he just stopped doing it. He didn't understand quite what was going on. And I talked with him one day. He said, I came to the realization that people, people are dying and going to hell every day. And nothing's funny anymore. God just clicked something, just caught his attention in a way that changed how he reacted in life. But it changed his focus. Is our focus on doing those things that please God? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a comedian. I'm saying for him, in that situation, all of a sudden it clicked that his priorities were wrong and he needed to focus on what God wanted him to do. How's the Lord been speaking to you? What's God been doing in your life? What windows of, or doors of opportunity have been opening in front of you that you've been ignoring? Have there been any? Lord, open my eyes and show me. Lord, teach me that I might do your will and walk in your ways. Continuing on, verse 16 says, Hold fast to the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Paul says, you growing in the Lord, you being faithful to what God has called you to do, is a blessing to me. Because I've been pouring myself into your life that God's glory might be shown through you. Quite a few years ago, I uh, had a church meeting to determine change and talking about changing the service time. Service had been at eight o'clock or had been at nine o'clock in the morning, and we had a meeting. Somebody suggested changing it to ten because somebody down the road had said, "You know, nine o'clock is just too early in the morning for me to get the kids up and get them ready and go to church." Not too early for them to get to school, that's another matter. But that was, that was their reason, 9 o'clock was too early for that. And some of the people wanted to change the church time to, to, to 10 o'clock. And we had the meeting, and I said, look, I'm not going to vote. Whatever time you tell me church is, I'll be here. I, I'm, I'm, not going to, to have a, I'm not going to make a vote in this. You all decide amongst yourselves. I said, however... If the reason you want to change the time is to accommodate somebody who says they can't make it on time, I will let you know right now that's not going to work. The person is not coming to church, not because the church is at 9 o'clock. They're not coming to church because there are other priorities. That's, that's the reason. You're not going, just because they say that's the reason, that's not the reason. So if you want to change the time to accommodate them, I'll just give you a heads up, it's not going to work. But you decide. And you decide and, and, and vote and decide on it. And before the vote was taken, one of the, uh, everybody said that however the vote came out, they would all abide by it. There was not going to be any, you know, any conflicts or any problems. So they took a vote, decided to change the time to 10 o'clock. Church time is still 10 o'clock. It's out on the sign. Next Sunday, one of the people who said it wouldn't make a difference didn't show up because it did make a difference. This was a person who had been with us from the very first Sunday I was the pastor of the church. 
This is a person at that time, she had been coming for, I don't know, five, six years, every Sunday. And I'd been pouring into her life, and into everybody's life. I'd been pouring into her life. And that one Sunday, because they changed the time, she stopped coming. That's the first time, and the only time, to be fair, the only time, where I almost walked out of the church, I almost gave up. Where Paul says, I've been pouring into your life and I want to see you grow in Christ. I understand what he's saying. Because I understand what it's like to be pouring into somebody's life and have them just turn and walk away. We are called to be lights in the midst of this generation. As a minister, as a pastor, I am called to equip you, to help you, to strengthen you, to encourage you. To do what God has called you to do. Each and every one of us is called to be servants of the Most High God. We are all gifted. We are all equipped. We are all uh, given everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. That God be glorified through your lives to make an impact in the world around us. Because the world around us needs Jesus. Just Just as my friend the comedian said. People are dying and going to hell every day and nothing's funny anymore. When we recognize the need of the people around us, it should break our hearts. God, work in me to show your love. Work in me to be the light you've called me to be. Work in me to make a difference. Because you've called me in this generation, in this location, in this time. I am from South Florida. I grew up in the Everglades. You know, the different, you, know you ever see swamp people? And Gator Boys, kind of a mix between those two. That's who I was growing up. But God has me here. Wasn't my plan, wasn't my understanding, but this is where I am. This is where God has, has put us. And, and uh, shortly after I got here, I met this wonderful woman that I've now been married to for 23 years. I began meeting people. The first, the first couple that I met... When I came to Vermont almost 26 years ago, was Howard and Joan Parrish. And shortly after having met them, Howard Parrish heard about this little church in, in Alberg that just had a few people in it, and the Methodist Conference wanted to kick the people out and sell the building. Well, he heard about it. He called and said he was praying for them. They asked him to come preach. He asked me to come with him. Howard Parrish came over and spoke in this little church, and they asked him to become the pastor. This was the South Alberg Methodist Church, the fifth church on the circuit, circuit riding at the time. I mean, it was in a car. It wasn't, wasn't horses at the time, but circuit riding where you had one pastor for five churches in the islands. And this was a summer-only church, and there was a lot of issues. There was no indoor plumbing here. There were broken windows. But as he came to preach, they asked him to become the pastor. And as he agreed to become the pastor, the Methodist Conference sold the, the, the building to the ministry. And that's how God's the Little Brown Church came into being. 1998. I just happened to be, quote, just happened. Remember God directs our steps? It just seemed a random event that I was here with him his first Sunday preaching when they asked him to become the pastor. Later, when he retired, 
He turned this church over to us. For two years, while Deb and I were dating, we were driving around, actually, we were dating for two years, but not the whole two years we weren't doing this, but we were going to different churches, trying to figure out where we, where we fit in. We, we were, uh, started in, in St. Albans. We moved into Swanton when we got married. And she bought the house before we got married. It needed a little love and attention. It was a HUD repossession. So it needed, it needed fixing before we could move into it. But just we weren't here. But we were going to different churches to try to figure out where we fit in. And then one Sunday, Deb says, you know, if we ever settle in somewhere, I'd like to settle in over at God's Little Brown Church because that's where it feels most like home. And that was when we're, where we came. And that's where we've been since then. We got married in this church. I mentioned that earlier. This is where God has placed us. Five, coming up on six years ago, as I retired from my day job, we are praying, said, Lord, are you going to send someone to take over the church, free us up for other ministry, or what are you going to do? And in a two-week period, 15 people came up and said, it's wonderful that you've been faithful right where God has placed you. Guess what? We're here. And will be until God makes it just as plain that it's time to go someplace else. I, have, I don't foresee that. I don't know when or if, and I don't expect it. What I know is right now we are in the will of God being here right now. God has called this Florida boy and stuck him a very short distance from the Canadian border, looking outside at about five inches of snow right now for those listening online. But this is where God has us. Are you doing what God has called you to do? Are you being faithful where God has placed you? And are you seeking God's will? That He be glorified in our lives. 2 Timothy 2, beginning with verse 2. Page 800. 800? Page 2 Timothy 2, beginning with verse 2. Paul, talking to Timothy, says, And the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Paul says, first off, you know what God has called you to do. Do it. Share it. The things that you've heard me say, share those with faithful men who will be able to, 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 to share with others. And he talks about a soldier. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. When God introduced himself to you, when the Lord made himself real to you, when he opened your eyes and you got to know who God was, you recognized that he was Savior and Lord. Sovereign. When you recognize that, our goal is now to please Him. How we, how we react in circumstances, how we react in each situation, should be, should be balanced on the fact that God's plan 
is perfect and God knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything you're going to face. He knows everything that's coming your way. And because of that, He equips us, gives us what we need. The path that we've taken in life, the things that we've gone through, the things that have taught us and kind of shaped who we are. God doesn't waste any of that. There are people coming into your life. There are people who will be coming into your life who need what God has worked in you. Are you willing to share it? Are you willing to show who God is and willing to show what He's done in your life to the people you encounter? You're equipped the way you're equipped for God's purpose. The God who sees the end from the beginning, who knows what we're going to face, knows everything that's coming toward us. God is at work. And we've been called to be lights in the midst of this society. We've been called to be uh, to make an impact in the lives of people around us. We don't always know what God has in mind. In fact, we don't always. We don't generally know what's coming. But as God works, we can see that it was the sovereign hand of an almighty God who brought these things to pass. Praise God. I don't know how God wants to work in your life. I don't know what's coming down the pike. I don't know what you're about to face. I don't know what you're currently facing. But what I do know is God loves you. And God has specifically equipped you and guided you and worked in you to bring you to this point. And the God who has brought you to this point, whatever convoluted path you went through, whatever difficulties or whatever hardships or whatever joys you've gone through to this point, God wants to use that in the lives of the people He's going to bring into your path. We are called to be lights in the midst of this world. We are called to be salt in this world. We are called to be God's witnesses, faithful witnesses in this generation. Right where you are. Right in the group you're at. There are people in your life who need to know the love of God. Who don't. They don't know it. They don't believe it. They've heard it, but maybe that hasn't lined up with their, with their experience. Maybe they're bitter, they're angry about things that have gone on in their lives. Maybe they've turned their back on a church because they got hurt by messed up people. Whatever the situation, God has equipped you and me to be ministers of His grace in this generation, in this location, in this time period. The God who brings people into our path has called us to be His lights right here, right now. And he calls us to get busy. He calls us to do the work of Him who sent me. Just as Jesus said back where we read it in Mark, I must do the work of Him who sent me. I must work while it is day because night is coming when no one can work. There's going to be a time where there's no more chance. Revelation talks about an angel standing with one foot on the land and one foot on the sea and declaring that time shall be no more. That there's no more. No more chance. 
But right now, there's a chance. Right now, there's opportunity. Right now, the Lord's patience is calling men to repentance. And as the servants of the Most High God, our job, our calling, our expectation is to do the work of Him who sent us while it is day, while there's a chance. However God has equipped you, whatever He's done in your life, whatever you faced up until this point has been equipping you and giving you what you need to show God's love to the people you encounter because they desperately, desperately need it. And I'm not preaching to y'all, I'm preaching to me. Just so you know. Each and every one of us needs God's grace each and every day. And the day we think we don't is the day we're really messed up. But let me tell you about a sovereign God who loves you. Who will even take your failures, who will even take your shortcomings, who will even take your sin and your mistake and use it in shaping you. God causes all things to work together for good to them who love him, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And he equips us to be lights in the midst of this world. He gives us all things pertaining to life and godliness, scripture says. Praise God. God has given us what we need. It's just up to us to say, Lord... Use me. Lord, here's my hands. Here's my feet. Here's my voice. Here's my mouth, Lord. Fill it that your word go forth and not my own. Lord, how can I be a light in the midst of this situation? How can I minister in, in this situation? How can I make a difference here? How can I show who your love to the people who so desperately need it? Lord, work in me, work through me, that you be glorified. I'm not going to read any of the other scriptures. I, um, you have the bulletin. I recommend you, you go through them. But I just want to give praise to God for what he's brought us through. Whatever that path looks like for you, whatever he brought us through, he has not brought us through for no purpose. Even the messed up things in our own life, God promised to cause all things to work together for good to them who love Him, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Do you love God? Do you recognize His calling in your life? He wants to use you to impact the lives of others. It says in Ephesians, I did a message on this a while back talking about how each and every one of us are God's gifts. But Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come together into the unity of the faith to the measure of the fullness of Christ. There's not yet that unity in the body of Christ. There's, not that, there's still the divisions. There's still all, all sorts of things. I don't begrudge any church. There are not enough seats to hold the people that God wants to change. And each and every body of believers, as they get together, God's able to use that. In each and every gathering, there's a remnant. In the Word of God, the Word of God is truth. So if somebody's only preaching two or three scriptures... Guess what? Those two or three scriptures are still true. And God can work even in 
a place with messed up doctrine, even in a place with, with messed up attitudes, even in a place where they're, they're just, their life isn't reflecting the Word of God. Because God's Word is still truth, and God could stir in the hearts of people, and as God stirs in the hearts of people, people will draw close to Him. When Peter went to Cornelius' house, you know the story in the book of Acts. Peter went to Cornelius' house and began to preach. And as he began to preach, the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius' household. And as Peter was relaying it, as he's telling the story, he says, Now I know that in every place those who seek the Lord will be found by Him. If people were willing to seek the Lord, God will show Himself mighty. God will make a way. God will put people in their path that can share His love. I don't know about you. I want to make an impact in the lives of other people. I want to tell people how great my God is. And I want to tell people that there's nothing God can't work through. God is willing to change a life question is, are we willing to help? Are we willing to be the light? Are we willing to be the vessel that he uses? Are we willing to be the faithful witness to make the impact in the lives of others? Father, we just come before you this morning. We ask, Lord, Father, forgive us so many times for saying no. Forgive us, give us for so many times, Lord, being silent. Forgive us, Father, for so many times seeing the need, and walking away. James says, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is a sin. Father, we confess the sin of inactivity, of ignoring those around us. And we ask, Lord, that you would work in us, Father, to be the lights you've called us to be, to be the faithful witness you've called us to be, to be the ambassadors of heaven that you've called us to be to make an impact in the lives of people because they are precious in your sight. You created each and every person in the image of God. Forgive us, Lord, for looking at people and not recognizing your image, not recognizing their value, not recognizing, Father, that a soul is precious, a life is precious, and not to be wasted. A life is precious. You gave, you sent Jesus to pay the penalty for each and every sin. And you sent us, Father, to be lights in the midst of this generation, lights in the midst of this community, in the midst of this location, lights to make an impact in the world around us. Father, help us. Lord, remind us. Lord, guide us. We thank you, Father, that you've already equipped us and already given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Help us, Lord, to show your love to the people we encounter and to recognize their value and recognize, Father, that they are precious to you. Help us, Father, to get busy, to do what it is that you've called us to do. As the minister said on the radio all those years ago, you know what God called you to do. Stop goofing off and do it. Lord, that we would stop goofing off. But Lord, that we would do your will and walk in your ways. Father, we give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit glbcvt.org.